Hello and welcome to the Adaptive Zone podcast, talking all things running and triathlon, from injury through rehabilitation and into performance. My name is Matthew Boyd, I'm a physiotherapist living in Red Deer, Alberta, originally from the UK, and I'll be your host. Hi guys, today we're going to be talking about tendon pain. And now, if you're having tendon pain, it's maybe that you know it's a tendon because somebody's told you, right? You've been to a physio or an athletic therapist or chiropractor and they've said you've got tendonitis or tendinopathy or tendinosis. I'm going to talk about a little bit, you know, what those terms mean and the difference between them in a sec. But um, some of the most common places for runners and triathletes to get tendon pain is in the Achilles, which is the, the, well, everyone knows where that is. I think it's the one by your heel, just on the back of your uh, heel there. Uh, On the, just below the kneecap, um, you can get patella tendinopathy, that one's called. Also gluteal tendinopathy, less common, but that um, when you have pain right on the side of your hip, you know, right on the very outside of your hip, that's sometimes gluteal tendon pain. And then hamstring tendinopathy, hamstring tendinopathy, you can either get it at the far end, like near your knee, so it might feel like knee pain, or you can get it up at the top near um, where your sit bone is. We call that... Um, high- yeah, and, uh, hamstring tendinopathy. <laughs> um, but I didn't want to go into the, the, the details of the, the name of the different tendons just yet, just to try and keep it simple for the start. Now, what's a tendon? Um, I always explain it as a tendon it is, you know, muscles become tendons before they attach into a bone. So, if you have seen pictures of muscles before, like you've got the red bit, that's um, that's actin and myosin fibers, and that's the contractile part of the muscle. So that part of the muscle is actually capable of shortening or contracting in order to pull things closer together. But the things it pulls closer together are bones, and it you connect the muscle with the bone via a tendon. The tendon's not made of actin and myosin. It's made of a different tissue. It's called collagen and Many people have heard of that. Collagen is a type of protein. And in a tendon, it's organized in like uh, bundles. The way I always explain it to people is it's like a steel wire where each of the little strands is like collagen. And they're sort of bundled together to make the steel wire, which is extremely strong. But each one of those little things is not particularly strong on its own. Now, how do you know if you've got tendon pain as opposed to some other. Say you've got knee pain, you could have patellofemoral pain, which is also known as runner's knee. You could have iliotibial band syndrome. You could have um, other issues which affect the knee. How would you know it was the patella tendon, which is the tendon just at the sort of lower part of the knee there? Well, really you'd need to see someone in order to get a, a true clinical diagnosis of tendon pain or tendinopathy. Now, the thing about tendinopathy is it, it has different terms. So the most commonly used term is tendinitis. And you'll see that used less and less by clinicians these days who've tended to favor the term tendinopathy. Um, or tendinosis is another term that's sometimes used. And we'll come to the difference between them later. But if you if you imagine them all as going together and 
um, under the umbrella of, say, tendon pain for the time being. Now, tendon pain is very specific in the way it behaves. So it's very local, which means if you've got tendon pain, you can usually point at it with one finger. So if you're having pain when you're running or after you're running that is more diffuse, it's more vague, and it's not like you can't put your finger on it, it, it may not be a tendon and it's probably not a tendon. And then the other thing is it's load dependent. So tendon pain, uh, it, tendons don't hurt at rest. So if you're sitting on the couch, chilling out, the tendons won't hurt. If you're running or walking or going up and down stairs, getting up and down off the floor, something like that, the tendon can hurt when it's doing those things or afterwards because it's depending on the load being placed on it but it won't hurt when it's not doing anything. It won't hurt you in the night, usually, unless you're lying right on it and squashing it. So tendon pain is low dependent and it's very focal. It's it's very much a small area that um, you will experience tendon pain in. And like I say, the most common place for triathletes and runners to get it is the knee in the patella tendon and the gluteal tendons on the side of the hip um, and the Achilles tendon in the heel in the um, upper part of the hamstring tendon by the sit bone and then sometimes the lower part of the hamstring tendon usually on the inside of the knee what we call the medial side of the knee now if we go back to that analogy of the steel wire your structure of the tendon is made of collagen so you've got the the tendon as a whole might be the thickness of one or two fingers and then that's got you know hundreds or thousands of collagen fibers and they're organized in bundles and they call these bundles fascicles so you have um a number of fascicles i don't know how many um in each tendon and each of those fascicles is like a, a big bundle of collagen fibers and in between those fascicles, we have this thing called the interfascicular matrix, which is a kind of funky thing that I'm learning about at the minute. And uh, these fascicles can kind of slide. So you've got these bundles of collagen fibers um, that can actually slide. And actually, you know, if you take one tendon, like the Achilles tendon, the amount of stress placed on each fascicle can actually vary within the same tendon. So you might have some fascicles of the tendon that are put under more stress than others and that might be relevant when we come to describe some of the pathology and that kind of thing. So what happens when we have tendon problems? So if we talk about this in two different ways, we can talk about the fact that tendons hurt sometimes and we can talk about the fact that tendon structure changes sometimes and these are actually distinct entities when we come to sports medicine. Things that are structurally different on MRI or ultrasound scan don't always hurt. Things that um, hurt don't always have structural changes associated with them. In tendons, it's actually a little bit more reliable. Most people who complain of tendon pain, who would meet that definition that I described earlier, where they've got that local pain that hurts when they're running or uh, using it, load-dependent pain, they actually will show signs um, structurally on their ultrasound scan of um, what I would call tendinopathic change or structural change within the tendon. And actually, the changes in that uh, structural makeup of the tendon apparently is one of the best predictors of future tendon pain, which is, again, if we look at other areas of the body, say like the lower back, for example, if you have signs of, say, facet joint arthropathy, which is a way of saying facet joint 
degeneration in your lumbar spine, uh, which is the, the low part of the back, that actually doesn't really predict that you'll get back pain any more than anyone else at all. And that's actually more common than you might think. It's more common to find structure uh, or, or evidence of structural changes on scans like MRIs or ultrasound scans doesn't usually very well predict the, the future development of problems. So tendon problems are a bit different. Um, if you take a bunch of people who don't have any pain and you scan, do an ultrasound scan of their Achilles tendon, and say you've got 100 like, and, and 40 of them have tendon changes on their um, Achilles tendon, those people are actually much more likely to have tendon pain in the future, which you might think, well, duh, obviously. But it's not that obvious because usually it's not the case that you can predict future problems because of uh, current asymptomatic structural change. Seems that the link between pain and structure in tendons is a little bit more whatever the word is for closely linked. <laughs> so... That's why in tendons, we're a little bit more interested in what is actually going on structurally in the tendon than we might be in some other parts of the body, say the lower back, where we know that the structural changes don't correlate very well with um, pain and disability at all. Now, what happens when we have tendon changes at a structural level? So if you imagine we've got that um, steel cable analogy, right, with our collagen fibers being the, the individual strands of the cable. And what we see in the development of structural tendon pathology is that the, the collagen, instead of being like nicely wound up in, in very tight bundles, becomes all kind of higgledy-piggledy and, and loose. And you actually see little gaps appearing between different parts of the, um, the uh, collagen grouping. So you get these kind of, um, they're not quite holes because they don't go all the way through, but gaps. Uh, within the tendon, you wouldn't be able to see them with your eyes, obviously. You need an ultrasound scanner to see them, but you, you can see this. And we call this collagen disorganization. So if you've had tendon pain and someone sent you for an ultrasound scan, they might have described this collagen disorganization, which, you know, we would call tendinopathic change. Or I'm not sure if I made that word up, but I think it's a good one. So that's the first, well, that's one of the things we see. We see this collagen disorganization, but we also see uh, the ingrowth into the tendon of new blood vessels and new nerves. So this is sometimes called neovascularization, as in new vascularization, new new vessels. Um, but it's sometimes called neurovascularization to refer to the fact that you have nerves and blood vessels growing into the tendon. And we're getting a little bit in the weeds here. But I wanted to explain this because... You know, if you're listening to this podcast, you might have had some trouble with your tendon. You might have had an ultrasound scan and you've got the results and it says collagen disorganization, neurovascularization. That's what these things mean. It means that we're seeing some evidence of structural change within the tendon. Now, as far as I understand, we don't really fully understand why that kind of structural change happens in the first place. Not on uh, um, there's, there's some good, good theories, which we'll come to in a sec, but we're, we're not 100% sure on why that happens in some people and not others. Um, it's not always as obvious as you might think, like, oh, I was using it too much, because when we come to talk about rehabilitation and actually 
addressing tendon problems, strengthening them or loading them seems to be the best way to do it. So the, the relationship between why a tendon structural change develops, uh, sorry, the, the, the understanding of why tendon structural change develops is not complete at this time anyway. Some of the theories, the most popular theory to my mind is this um, thing called the continuum model, which was proposed by some researchers out of Australia. I think originally back in 2009, that was certainly when it was a researcher named Jill Cook, who was excellent and done some really um, awesome work on tendon, uh, helping us understand what's happening in tendon problems. And they proposed this model of progressive change within the tendon going from a perfectly normal tendon and then degenerating or changing in a unhelpful way to become a less uh, robust structural um, tissue. And they divided this process of degeneration into three stages. They called the first one reactive, the second one disrepair, and the third one degeneration. And we're basically describing degrees of severity there. So the first stage, we're talking about a fairly normal tendon, which in which you know, if you look at it on an ultrasound scan, it doesn't show too much. Uh, doesn't show any evidence of collagen change, you know, disorganization or neurovascularization. Those new blood vessels and nerves aren't growing into it yet, uh, but it it gets fatter. So sometimes we see this um, in the clinic. People will come in and say. You know, my Achilles hurts. It started last week and it's it's bigger. It's kind of fat. And you can actually see it if you look at the Achilles tendon because it's uh, just because of where it sits in the body. It's very easy to see like right around it. And you'll see this big bump like right in the middle of it. It actually gets fatter. And what's happening there is the tendon is actually, it's not fluid swelling, although it is pulling fluid into the actual cells of the tendon but the the tendon is doing that to make itself fatter and it's doing that because it wants to increase its cross-sectional area because if it increases its cross-sectional area then there's less stress per unit of cross-sectional area i think i've said that right (laughs) and that will mean that it can tolerate the stress being placed on it a little more easily so it's actually a sort of adaptive response of the tendon uh, in the short term. And that reactive tendinopathy usually, uh, and this I'd say bears out fairly well in the clinic, this usually presents as someone has done something new. So they've either switched their shoes too quickly or they've taken up running and they've done too much too soon in like in just a week, you know, or they, you know, they went back to squash after not having played for many years and played an hour and then their tendon gets really sore and balloons up and we call that a reactive tendinopathy. But the, the key thing there is it's reversible because the tendon hasn't actually really degenerated at all. It's just kind of fattened up. And if you leave it alone for a few weeks, it'll actually shrink back down and go back to normal. So we've got a normal tendon that is painful, but it's otherwise structurally normal. The next stage, if um, along the continuum, would be actually changing to, instead of just having that reaction, you go on to then have changes in the collagen. And it's believed that this is because too much stress is being placed on the tendon for a prolonged period of time. And that's leading to uh, collagen breakdown, which is where the collagen becomes all higgledy-piggledy. I don't know exactly why that happens. And new blood vessels and nerves grow in the tendon. 
I don't know why that happens either. <laughs> but this is the process of degeneration just getting started. And they call that first phase or second phase, sorry, um, tendon disrepair. At that stage, it's believed it's still probably reversible. As in structurally, you can change from having a tendon in disrepair to having a normal structural tendon again that looks the same on ultrasound scan as, um, as, a, as a regular tendon if appropriate um, interventions are put into place. And we're going to talk next time about what appropriate interventions would be. Principally, it's going to be tendon loading or strengthening of the tendon. Um, so we're going to talk a lot about, about that in the next uh, podcast on, on tendons, not today. We're going to stick to just the pathology today because it's such a big topic. I want to try and do a good job of explaining what's going on one bit at a time. And then the final stage of tendon degeneration, according to this continuum model or theory, is degeneration. And that's essentially the same problem, uh, just further along the spectrum. So it's still collagen disorganization and neurovascularization. It's just more of it. Uh, and it's believed at this stage that it's not reversible. So even if you apply the appropriate interventions at that stage, that tendon structurally, and that's a key distinction, is not salvageable which means that it can't go back to being the way it was originally, even if you did a few years of rehab on it. That doesn't mean that that person can't actually regain their ability to run or their ability to run, or they can't actually exceed their current ability to run even further without pain. Uh, and we'll get to that in the, why that's possible more so in the next podcast. But essentially it doesn't mean that you're always going to have tendon pain or be functionally restricted by a tendon. But it does mean that if you take a scan of it, it'll look different on a scan. Now, this next little bit was uh, fairly new to me. So I mentioned earlier, we've got this inter interfascicular matrix or IFM, which is the interface between the fascicles. So if you've got, you know, fascicles running side by side and they can kind of slide on each other within the same tendon, the places where those um, those fascicles interact, we call the interfascicular matrix. And I don't know a ton about this. Um, this is a fairly, I sort of heard of it, <laughs> was about it. But I was listening, uh, Jill Cook, the, the professor who I mentioned earlier, who originally came up with this continuum model. Just recently, I was watching like an online conference a few weeks ago, was talking about this interfascicular matrix. And they, they wonder if, the original problem of tendon breakdown might start at the matrix. And this this is very much a theory and a new theory, so it's it's not well established at all, but I just thought it was super interesting and it, uh, I thought I'd share it here because it kind of, um, well, it's interesting to think about and it makes sense, it fits in with that continuum model, certainly. Anyway, the, the theory is that, say we take your Achilles tendon and your um, you're putting repetitive stress or repetitive load on the Achilles tendon by running, right? Now, what happens is we've got these tendons, fascicles sliding beside each other. And if they're sliding beside each other, they're putting stress on the um, matrix that's in between them as they slide, right? I think if I understand correctly, that interfascicular matrix is helpful in giving our tendons some of their recoil. So tendons have a lot of recoil actually if you're running I believe it's about 30% of the 
propulsive force is generated just by rebounding your tendons. So we're only doing 70% of the work for each step. And if you want a, a good example of that, I forget where I got this one, but you put your hand on your chest and pull your finger up and then let it go and it'll bounce back, which is um, a really nice little way of illustrating the recoil potential of tendons, right? You don't have to push it back down, it just springs back. And some of that springiness, I believe, comes from that interfascicular matrix. But if we put too, many, too much demand on that interfascicular matrix, if we ask it to do springing too, more than it's capable of delivering, then it'll start to break down. And if it breaks down, then it can't do its job properly anymore. But the tendon will still be being asked to, uh, to, to tolerate stress and it'll have to go somewhere because you're still going to keep running. And that's when it'll start to go into the collagen fibers themselves within the fascicles. Those are those bundles of collagen fibers. So now you're going to have more stress on the fascicles. And that might be what leads to the collagen um, disorganization starting to develop. So first you get the degeneration of the, the matrix, the interfascicular matrix, and then that because it's not able to do its job anymore, puts stress on the fascicles, the collagen fibers themselves, and that's when they start to break down. So interesting little theory. It'll be interesting to see how that's developed over the next few years. But if we come back to the naming, now that we understand a little bit about what's going on, at least structurally, right? So I haven't talked at all about how this relates to pain, um, but we will get to that next time. But structurally, um, Originally, we called tendon pain uh, tendonitis. And itis in Latin actually means uh, inflammation, I believe. So it was tendon inflammation because it was believed that what was happening was you're putting too much stress on your tendon, it's becoming inflamed, and that's why it hurts. And that would fit quite nicely if it behaved differently, but it doesn't. So if you sprain your ankle, for example, what happens is you've got this little ligament on the outside of your ankle, and if you pull on it too hard, it'll break. And when it breaks, or it'll break partially or something, when it breaks, you'll get an inflammation, right? So your ankle gets really big. And uh, almost everyone's seen this in some part of their body, right? The inflammation comes, it gets really big. If you do nothing for the next six weeks, the inflammation will go down and the body will start to heal that tissue. It'll start to heal the, um, the ligament that you broke. If you do the same thing with a tendon, right? So your tendon's hurting. Number one, it doesn't swell up. Not the way that the uh, ankle does when you sprain your ankle. And we talked a little bit earlier about in sometimes in reactive tendon problems, they, it gets fatter. But that's not the same as inflammation. That's actually the fattening of the tendon cells themselves. So what happens with tendon pain is following the initial irritation, if you leave it alone, it won't heal. The body will just kind of ignore it. So with an ankle sprain, that ligament will actually repair itself. With a tendon problem, it doesn't seem to. The body just kind of ignores it and it just sits there. So if you stop, if you rest it, if you stop putting stress on it, so you stop running, for example, and your Achilles stops hurting, six weeks later, when you try running again, it'll actually be worse because you've been resting it. It's got a bit weaker and it hasn't healed because it's not that type of injury. So that makes it a little more tricky. 
So we can't call it really tendonitis because it's not just tendon swelling. And tendonitis, if it's tendon swelling, kind of implies that we should rest it and it'll get better. And we know from the research that doing things like rest, ice, anti-inflammatories, it just doesn't help. The problem remains. It doesn't go away. If anything, once you've rested a few weeks, it'll be a little worse because the, the tendon is weaker at that point. So Another term that is uh, fairly common, which is a little more accurate, is tendinosis. And I haven't really looked up the definition of tendinosis, if I'm totally uh, totally honest. I believe it means tendon degeneration, which is the changes in the collagen and the neurovascularization that I described earlier. Um, So that that would be a fairly accurate term. But um, we don't always have proof that there is tendinosis there. So you need an ultrasound scan to see that. So if your tendon hurts, we can make a clinical diagnosis that you have a tendon problem, you have tendon pain, and we can treat it without getting an ultrasound scan. In fact, the ultrasound scan a lot of the time is superfluous. We don't need to do it. So another term that's become a lot more popular in recent years, which is the term I prefer is tendinopathy. And tendinopathy, I believe pathology, Pathy means like pathology or even maybe suffering. And um, it's kind of an umbrella term to say tendon problem or tendon pain. Um, tendon problem, sorry, be more accurate. So tendinopathy is sort of my preferred term. And tendinopathy would encompass everything within that continuum model, right? From reactive tendon pain, which is that short-term normal tendon that just gets irritated, through to the disrepair, which is the disorganization chain. Uh, changes and disorganization seen within the collagen on ultrasound scan through to degeneration, which is the same process, but more developed. Now, next time we're going to talk more about what to do about this. So this is the pathology or the structural pathology of tendon pain. And this could be affecting the Achilles tendon, the patella tendon, the gluteal tendons on the outside of the hip or the the proximal hamstring tendon or one of the distal hamstring tendons on the inside of the knee. The pathology, the structural change is similar in all respects. Uh, It can affect the upper limb as well, but we're not going to talk about that because it's not as common in triathletes, although it's quite common to see it in the shoulder in the rotator cuff. So if you're having a shoulder pain with swimming, you might have a tendinopathy in your rotator cuff. So they're the different places it can affect. And just to kind of recap, if we're thinking it's a tendon problem, number one, it's only going to hurt if you're using it, right? We have load dependent pain. And number two, it's going to be local. It's going to be a small area of pain. You're going to be able to point to it with one finger. It's not going to be diffuse and vague, right? It's going to be one place that you say that's where it hurts. So if you have those symptoms, you might have a tendon problem. And if you do, then it's likely there'll be some structural changes and those structural changes will take the form that I described um, through this episode.
And so next time we'll talk a little bit more about the rehabilitation. What do you do if you've got tendon pain? So hopefully now you've got a little bit better understanding of, you know, what tendon pain is, what's happening at a structural level. And next time we're going to talk about what you can do about it because none of the tendon changes that I've described today are that none of them are like a life sentence. So if your tendon hurts when you run, that doesn't mean that you have to stop running. There's actually very good evidence that we can rehabilitate it to the point where you can run usually as much as you want. And certainly in my clinical experience, uh, tendons respond very well to rehabilitation if you're diligent and if you do the work over a period of weeks and months. So uh, there's lots of reasons to be hopeful. And we'll get into some of the evidence for the different treatment methods and what is the best way to approach it next time. Thanks for listening, guys. If you'd like your questions featured on the show, just email me, mboydphysio at gmail.com. And if you have a moment to leave a review on whatever podcast I'd be listening to this on, it would be a huge help. See you next week.